What's up, everybody? Welcome to Learning with Belvista Studios. This is the opportunity for uh, myself and my team to be curious about humans and help ourselves be better humans and create better solutions. And yeah, it's about being curious, but today I am the curious one because uh, <laughs> Jacob is actually somebody I know one well, point zero 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 one percent about. Um, you are new to the industry and you would like to ask questions. So you're actually asking me questions and getting to be curious. So why don't you tell people what your life mission is and why we're here today? All right. So now I feel like the ambassador of of newbies to the field. You know, like I'm stepping up to the UN uh, to ask the pros. Uh, you better so make it worthwhile. <laughs> These people are hanging on every. Every word that Trying comes to. out. Listen, <laughs> listeners, I got your back. I got your back. Okay. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, Jacob, age 28. Uh, I have worked almost every annoying, pathetic job you can think of. Hotels, hospitality, everything. Uh, and both of my parents are teachers. My mom is an English teacher. My dad's a history teacher. And I've always had a thing for informal education. You know, like, uh, I, it's not uncommon for me to rack up 30,000 steps walking around my neighborhood just listening to educational podcasts. Okay. And when I, when I, and uh, recently I became a personal trainer and the course was online and it was pathetic. It was the worst online course I can imagine. I couldn't believe that I saved up money, paid these people money to get this, you know, like uh, I ended up just YouTubing everything. So I thought, okay, there's a bunch of smart people out there who just need to be pointed in the right direction. And there's a bunch of dyslexic kids, you know, who are sitting right now in, in English classes who are smart as hell, but just need a different way. Or a bunch of people who don't have time to focus on maths or things like that uh, in order to, to help them. And in particular, I have an issue with my ears and, um, uh, and I try to hide it, but it, it gets pretty obvious at times. And, you know, uh, there's a bunch of people who might want to learn sign language and making, a, a making sign language cool. Because, you know, you ever see, like, in animes, the characters do this crazy thing with their hands and you'll see, like, 12-year-old mm. kids replicating it, like, uh, like in the playgrounds and stuff. So I was thinking, like, okay, I want to make this course that just helps anyone who, to learn any cool skill. Like, uh, and I fell into the instructional design field. Um, it's so deep and it's so broad, you know, that, like, uh, and I've, I've, pay, I've paid and committed to the course now that I need to <laughs> absorb as much info as possible. So I guess my first question, which would be the most pressing one for people who are new to the field is, where do you see the job market as a, as a whole? Because you don't just start creating whatever you want to create. You have to, you know, eat crap like everyone else will once, uh, once they get into the field. Do you? I just disagree. for a little while, you know. Oh, I don't know. I think if you're very clear on what it is that you want for whatever in life, you can just get it straight up okay cool yeah okay but let, let, let's say you did you were still figuring out the project that you want to create right mm -hmm. as as a whole where do you see the instructional design field at the moment and where do you think it's going um i look i'm not really a one to set trends and be like a future like predictor of things but all I can do is notice patterns that I'm experiencing mm -hmm. and that are working in my favor. 
I'll I'll put in there though that the number one thing is they are driven by my personal interests number one. So my personal curiosities, I am then going, how does this apply in instructional design? So a few of the things that I'm learning at the moment, because what I believe an instructional designer is, is you're just a problem solver, right? You're going to make something complex, simple. So for me, I'm very curious and I like to learn. So I'm learning things from marketing, from branding. Then I went into change management. Now I'm looking at things like futurism and behavioral economics. And also um, I'm going back to like a lot of philosophy as well. Like I listened to an audio book today. I think her name was Simone de Beauvoir. But I'm looking at those things and I'm looking at they are all solving problems for human beings. Mm. So how are they doing it? And then I'm thinking that's a skill, that's an activity that I can use in my field of problem solving. So for me, I think if you want to be successful and continuously adapt to wherever our industry ends up or how wide or small it ever ends up and goes, whether that's determined by the market or determined by your mind just be curious and continue to learn and apply your learnings and you'll be fine wherever you go because what I'm really really observing is and this actually comes this is probably not the answer that you were expecting but um what I'm really really observing is the people that are the happiest and the most successful as defined by them they are absolutely authentically tapped into who they are as a human being so a couple of examples that are inspiring me at the moment is uh stephanie gilmore she's a surfer right she's australian she's just broken the world record for the most titles ever won and when you listen to her uh interviews so there's kelly slater and then there's her kelly slater is like the popular one that i know yeah. yeah best of all time and then her of in terms of world titles. So when you listen to her interviews over the years, she describes her wins and the times when she's performing her best and when she uh, defeats her opponents, when she is having the most fun surfing. And then if I think about, um, there's people like, there's a comedian that I know of at the moment. There's another person, a female who has got a like production company. And she, if anyone's into Bad Sisters, I haven't watched it, but I think it's gone crazy everywhere in terms of it being a really popular TV show. Those two people are in the entertainment industry and they have just said no to how Hollywood does things, how Traditionally, you come up through the film festivals and all that. They said, no, I am making mm-hmm. TV shows and movies and my thing on my terms from my heart, from my place of passion. And they are successful and content in their eyes. When I draw that back to myself, when I show up and I'm curious and talk about the things that I'm interested in, the problems I want to solve, and you'll notice this through our videos and podcasts if you watch it, I am attracting the clients that are aligned to Kim's values or Bell Vista Studios and to Kim's interests and the problems that she wants to solve. So therefore, when they're coming to me as clients, they're saying, we want you to work on this because we know you're interested in it, which means that you're going to help us better. And all of that is rewarding myself and my team better when I'm authentically aligned to my curiosities, my passions, my purpose. 
it is leading to more meaningful projects. It is leading to yeses, like no negotiation on price or anything. It's all very like we accept that we get it because they see the value. I've built that and they're tapped into who I am. So when I go back to the very beginning, what I said around, do you have to eat? whatever you described it as like the little projects at the beginning I don't believe you do and I feel that probably my first ever project felt that way but it was because I wasn't evolved as an instructional designer but the person actually chose to work with me because they saw my passion for my future potential and they're now clients still six years on okay wow that was quite the answer like um <laughs> I guess the obvious caveat to that question is like to follow up is like uh, what what are those passions that you have and how are you following them through instructional design? For example, like you you brought up surfing. Mm. I, I, can, I can imagine there in the future being a, especially with virtual reality being a thing. Like where, where I live in the UK right now, it's slap bang in the middle of the country. I could not be further from a coast <laughs> if I tried, right? Yeah. And uh, I used to live in Israel and I've lived in Portugal and, and, uh, and even Panama where I got mm-hmm. to go surfing, thank God. But let's say like you're a kid stuck in the middle of, of nowhere. I can see a future where in VR, you can do online surfing tutorials. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I'm guessing like with, through instructional design, what are those passions that you think you could, you could meet? Or I those think curiosities? it is. Yeah, like even the surfing one's for, interesting for me because I grew up in Ireland. We didn't have waves like that I knew of as a kid in that age I couldn't drive I couldn't get the bus I was too young but what I used to do was spend every Saturday morning walking to the library and reading books on surfing and visualizing how that book was describing how you surf how you get up on the board where you put your feet Mm -hmm. do you what foot do you put forward blah 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 all that so basically that was the instructional design that I was receiving from my future Kim self that was going to live in Australia eventually (laughs) it was probably 10 years later but with that I was visualizing that I was like I could surf like and I couldn't I'd never tried it at this point but when it did come to the point where I got the very first time to go surfing I already had that in me I had like the essentials knowing this would be the foot I'd put forward this is roughly Mm -hmm. where I needed my positioning all of that sort of stuff right so first of all my passion allowed me to find transferable skills to think about how I would learn surfing better and then also what were my gaps so that I could seek that. So if I went to a surf lesson, I knew my kind of base knowledge and then I could use the instructor to say, I need help with this, take me to the next level. And if you think about like the 70-20-10 model in learning, basically I'm a self-directed learner. I've got the theory, the 10%, now I'm about to go out on the job and do it or the experiment and actually (laughs) probably drown with a couple of waves thrashing me around. (laughs) But the social learning is I'm asking my coach, these are the questions I have before I get in the water before, because I don't know how to swim either. So I have this kind of safety, like protection mode that I need to get satisfied to begin with, right? So I'm thinking about it from that, like, perspective but then also if I want to grow my business or grow myself and I'm talking to you people listening as well if my interests are around surfing if my interests are around skateboarding if my interests are around um, self-love and belief how does that show up well it shows up when 
me reaching out to organizations that I am connected to. So for example, in the skateboarding world, there's so many phenomenal uh, like community organizations that are doing mm. really good things in terms of skateboarding's phenomenal for learning uh, patience, determination, work ethic, all of these Conquering things. Conquering your and fears. Yes, yes. I mean, you, you can't ollie down a free set without, you know, overcoming some fear. Like, at least the teenage You can't even stand that. on a skateboard without coming over, like, overcoming fears, right? You, It's scary, hey. I mean, maybe I was just fearless at the time, but whenever I try to okay. teach my girlfriend how to how to do it, she's always like, no. Ah! So, yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought yeah. it was that. Well, it is scary, right? So, there's, but in skateboarding, going back to the point is, there is phenomenal community organizations that are out there in developing countries and developed countries that are helping children get an education through a skate curriculum. Now, I am personally connected to that mission. So therefore, I'm reaching out to those companies and saying, hey, I'm an instructional designer. I see what you're trying to do in the educational space. Let me know how I can help. Or I'm saying, I notice what you're trying to do. Here's some tips. Here's my advice. This is the go. If you ever want to chat, here's where I'm at. So that's how I'm using my passion so that maybe one day I am contributing in that industry to two things that I care about, which is skateboarding because I just like it and I love all the people that I meet through skateboarding. And the second thing is I'm really, really big on helping young people feel worthy and loved. So therefore, if I can tap into that industry, like, bit of my purpose in life is kind of met yeah that's that's a great answer and if more people were doing that then like i think the world would be a happier place because um I, i'm not sure if you've heard of a book called bs jobs like no. um it's by a guy called david Gilbert. it's basically that saying that a lot of the jobs we have in modern society um are sort of just made up they're not actually contributing any value and that's why okay. a lot of people feel crappy at their jobs so yeah am i allowed to say those kind of words on this you can say like, fuck or whatever uh, you want oh right, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, right, cool. so like um so like and i've worked those kind of bs jobs where you feel like what am i doing i'm here mm. eight hours a day which and i'm spending eight hours hopefully sleeping and it's an hour commute Therefore, I've only got like a few hours of my day to compress everything that, that's interesting. Mm. And it looks like you're finding a way to spend your whole day doing the, the things that are interesting. But Absolutely. so in terms of instructional design and relating that to your passions and mm. those things that you want to do, um, is there a, a hierarchy of skills that you would recommend someone getting into the into the field? For example, uh, my course right now, it's a really good course. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it, but it does kind of just shotgun all the skills that you're like hey you got to learn audacity boom but you've also got to learn canva boom and i'll take it so like boom at the same time you know mm. so if you if you were making a list of you know like you got to ollie before you can kick flip you got to kick flip before you can tray flip you know yep. like what what skill set would you Into say is the, the best ones to to learn i look honestly there's one skill that you need to learn and it is to be curious if okay. you are curious you will work out any freaking problem that ever 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 happens to you in life so you just got to ask figure out like basically when you're curious you work it out so my first client I didn't have articulate I didn't have any of the tools I didn't even know how to use them I had played in uh, PowerPoint but literally like text box click and drag dump an image like nothing right mm -hmm. 
But what did I want? I was motivated. When you tie your motivation to your curiosity, you can work it out. So I wanted the contract. I wanted the first contract because I wanted the business. And then because I wanted to leave a job, right? I wanted to get out of my career job and I wanted to start my own business. So I I was motivated to get that contract because that was what was going to allow me to leave my job. All I had was curiosity. They said, can you develop e-learning? I said, what does e-learning look like to you? And then they described that and I took notes and they said, um, what tool do you use? And I said, what tool do you use? And they said, articulate. <laughs> and then I was, wrote it down. And then they said, we need it to be SCORM compliant. Can it do that? And I said, let me confirm for you and I'll come back to you. And then I fucking Googled, what does SCORM compliant mean? And they're like, we need it to sit in our LMS. And I was like, oh, great. I don't know what an LMS is. I said, tell me a bit more about your LMS. And then they described it. They gave me the name. What do I do? I go out of the meeting. I go home and Google. What does this do? Then I find out there's like 50 billion of the LMSs and they all do different things and they all function different ways. And I'm like, ah! and I'm like, doesn't matter because it's not a problem right now because I know that they use this one LMS and they need a SCORM file and they want it developed in Articulate. Cool. Okay. Sign the contract. I don't know how to sign contracts. I don't know what you include in a contract. What do I do? I go and Google it. So just on a very, like that story can go for my whole career and right. everything. But if you are just curious, you will work it out. If you are motivated, you will work it out. Okay, good to know. Like that, that actually makes me feel a lot better because if you're doing as well as you are and you started with just doing that, then, you know, like I, I spent four months YouTubing people like yourself and the other instructional designers mm. before quitting my job and jumping into the course. So, uh, so that's good to know. Um, may I ask, what was that job that you were trying to get out of? I was an instructional designer, actually, at an e-learning company, and I hated it. I did the the values of the company was very not aligned to me as a person, and I said, "Enough is enough. I will not tolerate the behavior that I saw there." And I basically resigned with nothing. So it was like oh, I had no great. like. Yeah, I was like, ah! yeah, and then what I did was like, or were you living with your parents? No, I had like, I had commitments, financial commitments. I didn't care. It was tearing my soul away. So that's the thing. If you're motivated in the right way, you will always work it out. So I didn't care. I was like, I need to get out of here because if I spend one more day here, I'm going to be a horrible human being. I'm going to be, I'm going to do shit work for my clients. I'm a horrible team member. That's all just work related. I'm a horrible human in the world because I'm hating my job coming home. I'm horrible to the people that I love, my friends, all of that sort of stuff. So therefore, I'm like, I'm not willing to tolerate that anymore. The motivation was strong enough that I resigned with nothing to go to. And I wow. worked it out. Okay. The motivation so was strong because then I was like, shit, I only have a certain amount of savings. I need to fucking get my, like, this is where my savings run out. So I need a contract. I know that contracts take about two months to sign. Holy moly, I better get my freaking, like, hurry up because I don't know if my, my savings will last and, that and long. That yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. Because, like, I'm, I'm actually happy you said that again. I know I've already said that because um, with that personal training course that I did, mm. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but they're a fairly major chain. Okay. I went in to interview with them in, in two of their locations. And there was one location that I really wanted, did both interviews. They took forever to get back to me, I, the one that I didn't want, the, sorry, the one that I did want. And just to tell me no, whereas the other two hired me 
but they were immediately telling me like hey this is how we sell and like get new people in and mm. essentially making women feel awful about themselves and mm. posing yourself as a solution you know well I was like that seems like a fucking detriment to humanity which is not like my goal that's not my vibe I'd rather just yeah. help people to help people so yeah. the fact that you walked away from that makes me feel better about walking away from from my one now now you say that curiosity is like a obviously a really big thing which is really happy makes me really happy because uh what got me into the e-learning space is the youtube ogs the vlog brothers uh Hank okay. and Junkie. you might know that they have some books the fold in the uh, stars okay you, you don't know these guys no okay so, okay now i'm helping you out <laughs> All right, so you said you were you said you were into philosophy not so, uh, right at the beginning yeah so they have a whole youtube series called crash course right okay and it's got history it's got science it's got engineering it's got philosophy but it's so fun like you learn shit stuff without even realizing you're learning and that's kind of my goal that's cool they've sort of yeah they've taken education and they've made it like almost rebellious you know like uh my, my personal philosophy is that the world it's going to make me sound like a conspiracy theorist but the way the world is kind of set out it's kind of trying to make you fat stupid and and you know just un and unengaging you know so i feel the most okay. rebellious thing you could be nowadays is intelligent in shape and you know curious about the world so so you said that curiosity is going to be like your main fuel that's going to get you through mm -hmm. it but what what fueled your curiosity when you were in those beginning stages just figuring stuff out were there certain subjects you know for me for me it's uh healthcare and okay. uh health and fitness but what were those subjects that you like zoned in on um I don't know if it was I'm trying to think back now initially it was just it was more about values right I was I've always been very I don't know where this has come from but I'm thank god I had it is um and have it still if it adds value to my life i want more of it if it doesn't add value to my life get rid of it so even when i was in a career job when i had tasks i'd say to my boss i love this stuff give me more and then i'd say i don't like these things i've given it a try and i'm not going to get any better at it and i actually really really don't like it and it's taking my value away from the good things can we do less of that and then they supported that so then where my where my kind of motivation and curiosity for what came next was I wanted freedom I wanted to have more control over my life so I'm actually guided more by my day to day because I'm very driven by I want a fulfilling day every single day so that when I leave this earth on this form I have no regrets so what does that look like I need financial freedom I need time freedom I need to feel joy and bliss in my day every single day because I've gone and had a surf or I've had a really meaningful connection in a conversation um so it was actually more motivated by that and applying things that I liked so I liked teaching but at that point didn't know what instructional design was kind of fell into it and then evolved I was like this is cool like you it was like oh my god you can like teach people to be better I love that mm -hmm. and what is that oh my god that's called instructional design okay and how do you do that oh you write a course oh you write a course and then you have to have learning objectives and a course outline and you need goals and then you have content and and then I started doing linear click next courses and I thought whoa this is so cool because I also have a graphic <laughs> design background and then okay, my cool. curiosities like got more and more and I was like 
I can really, really help human beings be better. And that's where I was like, started learning about psychology and marketing and branding and all of those things starting coming out. So then I was like, basically, I'm on a mission to make human beings better. And I just happened to be an instructional designer doing that. So it's all shaped from that way. Um, and as time has grown, that's where it kind of went. And we sort of, we did like compliance courses and we did inductions. And then so I can started. I stop you one second? Yeah. I've been hearing, I've been hearing this phrase compliance courses come up okay. a bunch of times on my course. Yeah. I have no idea what it actually means because complying just means to me, to me, to obey a rule. Exactly. So any course where an organization is saying you must obey this rule. Um, so it might be there's legislation behind it or there's a policy behind it, um, like an internal, uh, what do you call it, organizational policy. And they're basically mm -hmm. saying to the people, we've taught you or trained you on this policy or this legislation. You now need to behave as we've taught you. And if you get it wrong, we've told you. So now you like, please explain, basically. It can go from extreme cases of like bullying and harassment and they're trying to prevent some a lawsuit mm -hmm. in court. Um, it can be health and safety. It can be a code of conduct. It's mainly the core things that are driven by rules. Got you. Because I, I worked at a call center at, this company wasn't horrible on purpose. And there were some <laughs> individuals at the company that were like really cool. But as yeah. a whole, it was just an awful job. Like, you know, working at yeah. a call center to 2 a.m. just makes you want to scream, right? Okay. And we had to do these kind of courses. For some people, not. And, and uh, <laughs> okay, of course, not for some people. For me, it was an absolute, it yeah, was a yeah. travesty. I didn't see my friends. <laughs> like, um, but uh, we had to do some courses and they gamified it. And, you know, to make sure that you understood the, the system yeah. or whatever. And what we did instead was, because it was an articulate storyline and you've got the characters who go like, Oh, yes, yes, you know? yes. Like, Jeez, we you sound like you've been in the industry a long time. <laughs> I know. Because I, when I oh, saw I'm those courses, I was like, oh, I, I remember these. I've done these. And they, some of them suck and some of them were hilarious. But like, mm. we would just take the characters, take photos of them, go into Photoshop and turn them into memes, you know, because there, were, there was so much material there that they didn't realize they were making us do. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was an interesting thing. So you said that your background was in visual design or graphic design, am I correct? Graphic design, yeah, yeah. Okay, so recently, uh, during COVID, you know, we were all trapped. I, was, I actually got trapped in Panama for six months at a surf resort, so probably your heaven. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I actually discovered that I'm a pretty good script writer. Okay. Uh, and I started writing audio books for an Indian company called Pocket FM. Uh, okay. I'm working on one now called The Green Shoes, if anyone ever finds it. That is me. Um, so cool. how did graphic design or sorry, visual design give you, you know, uh, what skills from that did you take, put into your instructional design? It was like a, an energy boost. And how was that applicable to like someone like me who's fairly good at script writing or someone who has any other kind of skill? that they can incorporate into instructional design? I think you've got to look at it. It's about first impressions, right? You want to engage from the very beginning. Engagement is what's in it for the person that's looking at it and capture their attention. So graphic design gives the visual appeal. So I think what we were appreciated at Bell Vista Studios 
in comparison to other companies back in the day is very early on we had visually beautiful looking courses but that was because I didn't know any different and if I hadn't I've had my graphic design skills I would have traditionally just created something with a page and text and buttons but because I was used to the world of web design apps weren't really a big thing that, that or to my awareness then but I knew what yeah. good design looked like so I was like of course it should be here so I think the essence is you need to look at what are your first impressions if you think about your script writing it's not a strength of mine but I do appreciate a good script is when it hooks you in the first line and you're just like mm -hmm. bam yeah yeah and then you're like, okay, what's next? Give me more. So in the first impressions, and I oh, actually, this is a tip for everyone listening that is starting in the industry. They all worry about their portfolio and their resume. If you cannot, I, I, I definitely am. Are you? Okay. Yeah. You need to design a whatever that has whoever is looking at it say yes to you in seven seconds or less. So just okay. whatever is going to make that happen, do that. But do not spend time making three 12-minute articulate courses and all that. People don't have time. It's first impressions. If you look about how quickly people make a decision around something, even if you think about this is where you've got to like be curious, work it out. What is it that makes you stay when you've watched Netflix and you're scrolling for freaking 20 minutes? You start something, you stop it. You start something, you stop it. What is it that gets you through the credits or says skip intro and actually gets at least halfway through the first episode of something or the first 30 minutes, right? That's what you're trying to do. It's the same in our world is first impressions are very, very important. And especially for your resume slash portfolio, whatever it is, get someone to say yes to you in seven seconds or less. Okay. That's, that's a good tip. Like, and, and, Without sharing your own personal secrets, you know that are uh, perfect. I'll tell whatever you business. want. Like, like, what, what would you say the key elements of those seven factors is? Because that I, I can, I'll tell you one that I've noticed. Like, I'm a history nerd. Like, my my yeah. dad's a history teacher. There's an okay. amazing podcast called Hardcore History with a guy called Dan Carlin. And okay. The po the podcasts are five hours long, right? That's a hell of a time to me. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But like the the first thing that you'll get as soon as you click play is probably some sound effect and then a question like uh like he has a very distinct accent. He'll be like, "What is truth?" And I'm like, "I don't know <laughs> what it what is truth." Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I and I'm in, you know. So like so that's what hooks me into his podcasts specifically to e-learning what would you say those factors to get someone to say yes in seven seconds or less might be for, for me, the course itself visual design yeah I think a good visual um I reckon just do that get that first screen looking good and the only text on that first screen is five words or less and that's okay. all you got to focus on Think, so where can you learn that? You can learn that from YouTube thumbnails. What ones, when you're scrolling through YouTube, make you stop? And what are the, ah, the, yeah, the titles, true. the five words that, like, because that's all you can kind of take in, right? It's three to five words. So what is it then? How are they saying those things that make you click on the video? When you're scrolling through Instagram um, or LinkedIn or Facebook, where you're continuously going, what are the colors that are making you stop? stop there's a reason that Belvista Studios has 
uh, like we our traditional colors are the black and the blue and then we use white if you look at our thumbnails it's all that but then we introduce yellow why because we learned that people on youtube when they're scrolling if yellow it pops it stands out it's a uh, what do you call it? Like a, an interruption. So therefore we're like, who cares if yellow is not on our brand? It makes people stop on our videos. That's why we're going to use it. Nice. Okay. And especially because it's, it's contrasted with that light blue, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, there, there are certain combinations <laughs> that, that work pretty well. Like yeah. I, I actually, my, my soccer team is li like literally playing yellow and blue. So. so oh, really? Who's that? Uh, they're a team from, like I'm part Israeli. So yeah, okay. uh, the, one of the best teams in the country is called Maccabi Tel Aviv. And, uh, and to be honest, they're the, the team that all the glory fans support. So I shouldn't be advertising it because it makes me look like a poser. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but I lived right next to the stadium, so I have an excuse. Yeah, but, fair uh, enough, fair uh, enough. It's good that you still so support like, them, even though you don't live there anymore. <laughs> exactly. And True like, fan. Um, and I've noticed on YouTube specifically, it's interesting you brought them up. The more, because I've spent years on YouTube, YouTube's where I've educated myself on everything. Like uh, when mm. my parents ask me, like, where did I learn stuff? I'm normally saying, oh, I found a YouTube documentary and I'm, I'm looked at with a bit of suspicion. Mm -hmm. So like they're, they're slowly coming towards it. But there's certain templates that people have on those thumbnails I begin to notice. Like I've been seeing yep. them being replicated more and more and more, which is fine because, you know, creators are so busy. That's probably one less thing they have to come up with. Absolutely. Like, um, I'll tell you something at the moment. Sorry, just to interrupt that before you go on. Hold your thought, though. Remember it. Um, there is a formula and it works. So just copy it. You do not need to reinvent the wheel. The, wheel. the second thing is there's an ad that keeps coming up on my Instagram at the moment for a design place here in Australia. And they are using a Canva template. They are a design like uh, college and they are, it's not original design. It is literally from Canva. So if a design college is putting an ad out there and say, come learn design from us, where their template is literally from Canva, you two people can do it. Canva is brilliant. It is so easy to use for, it's like 150 Aussie dollars. So that's probably something like 80 US or pounds or whatever. It's really freaking cheap. It is an exceptional investment and it's very easy to use. That is where your first impressions are going to come from. Back to your thought um nice so uh so my my question was gonna be like for example if you look back at like impressionist paintings or like art mm. you know in general there's eras of stuff you know you had like the Monet era you had the Van Gogh era yeah. where everyone was doing their thing in a certain design like yes. in a certain way like uh, the same with music you know like I've noticed like the 80s has made a huge comeback recently mm. like uh you know like the weekend and Duolipus essentially took 80s beats modernize them and now you've got modern pop music right okay like uh or like the early 90s was just grunge 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 like uh which is a skater i'm sure you appreciate it um, <laughs> has there been like has there been like certain area er, uh, like er, errors of instructional design or e-learning that you can kind of learn from like back then everyone was doing it this way and now people are kind of doing it this way i I, th I think our industry is very interesting in that it is like very slow to catch up. And there's still people that like, I have been talking about human centered design for probably four years now. And people message us now and say, wow, this blows my mind. Right. So I've, it's been on my radar for four years and I've been applying it. 
but I'm not the first to come across it. It's been around probably for 30 or 100 years. I don't even know. But so the thing is, it doesn't matter. But I think if you just look at what works for you, what, what makes you click on an ad, what makes you want to pick up a book in the bookstore, what makes you choose a thumbnail to watch on one of your streaming services, you need to pay attention, just take a moment to reflect and say, why did that make me do an action or make a decision? And then write a little list and say, it was because of the color. It was because of the photo of the person. It was because of the hook line. It was because of the music, whatever it is. And then you will start to go, this, uh, this is my little creative toolkit. And then as time goes on, you just start going, what do I need to apply right now? I need sound effects to tell this story. I, and you just go to your little like inspiration board of all these things that have caught your attention. And the reason I say that is because you can follow trends and, but the trends are coming from everywhere. Like I've described other industries today, economic or behavioral economics, that sort of stuff. Maybe not everyone else is doing that or maybe everyone's doing it, but the fact is, is that I think that is a really interesting thing that applies very well and serves very well to our industry. So I'm experimenting with it and I never heard anyone else talk about it. Now I don't listen to other people. So I, it's not that they're not talking about it, but to my radar, I'm driven by my own curiosities. I see that is absolutely going to add value to me as a practitioner and to my learners. Therefore, I'm going to experiment with it and see how it goes. And I'm being rewarded for that because behavior change is happening. Clients are coming back and wanting to work with us again. And they want more of that thing, Kim, more of that human centered stuff. You know how you talked about it? We didn't believe you before, but now we know it works. So that's kind of what I think. I think the only thing that I can say, but I don't know if I'm biased because I'm so in it, is that I really, really see more and more people talking about a human-centered approach, a learner-centered approach, a user-centric approach, a customer-centric approach, an employee-centric approach. So we're, I think over time, like I said, the industry takes a long time to change. And this it won't be mainstream for maybe 20, 30 years. But if you take a human-centered approach, you will never go wrong. No, I think you actually are very ahead of the curve on that because I've noticed like obviously human-centered design is kind of what your website leads with, you know? Yeah. Like, um, like uh, and I've noticed human, I think the more people feel isolated, remember how I spoke earlier about BS jobs? Mm. Like I feel the more there's more isolation or people not feeling they're a part of the system, the more there'll be a backlash and they'll try to be human-centered stuff. Like there was even a guy who ran for American president called Andrew Yang. Okay. On the concept of, of a universal basic income, whether you agree with it or not, his whole idea was human-centered capitalism, mm. right? So I feel this like the with the world being so uncensored from the person right now, there might be a backlash and it'll come back, you know, to that. So yeah. in your eyes, seeing as like you're the the human-centered design person, goddess, if you will, oh, um, you. <laughs> what 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 makes something human designed in your opinion and what makes it the, the antithesis, the opposite of that? I think a lot of instructional designers put a lot of pressure on themselves to know everything, right? But we, we write training and create training experiences on any possible topic in the world. So we can never, ever, ever be the expert. So going back to, you need to be curious. 
when you're curious as an instructional designer, you don't have to have the answers. You just need to know how to get the answers to create a really good training experience. Who has the answers? The people that are going to receive it because you ask them, I've been told to create a training course on this. Why isn't it working now? Why do you think you need training? What skills do you need to develop? Where are your strengths? What's missing? Where are the gaps? What are the pain points? What do you need to be successful? So when you're asking questions like that, honestly, like th that's actually not the questions. we That's too many questions. We have like five questions. But um, when you figure that out, you literally get to a point, and we have a video on this, is the empathy map stuff, where what would you feel, see, hear, think, or do if you were successful in whatever the learning outcomes essentially are? And from a future desired state of the employee or the perfect human doing that. And when they just tell us, we'd say this, we would do this action, we would talk this way, um, you would see us, blah, blah, blah. They give me the exact content. So therefore, I'm using their language. I'm using the things that they tell me they need. And I'm just basically massaging it back into a training experience that they receive, whether it's in a storyboard and then it turns into an e-learning, whether that's a podcast, whether it's a poster. And when they see it going back to first impressions, they go, oh, it is like they are speaking to me only. It's like they're inside exactly. my head. That's it's like when, when like when like a rapper like says like a line that like hits you right in the soul and you're like oh that's exactly how I feel that's it so, so it, it kind of sounds like uh that you're almost doing a form of backward design where you've Maybe, gone yeah. from the desired the desired outcome and you've worked backwards to that yeah which, uh, which is a, a really there's a guy there's a guy who I've been watching on YouTube called Luke Hobson who has a crazy beard like he okay. kind of looks like a like a if a, a rabbi or a Rasputin but he's also very much into instructional design. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he, he he seems you and him have the same approach. Now, my my next, I guess, practical question is: before I eventually become independent in the future, I would yeah. quite like to work for an e-learning uh, company or an e-game company. Okay. Um, in your personal opinion, because you seem that you said you were working for one in the uh, and you don't have to say their name or whatever. Mm. But are there certain characteristics I should be looking out for when I'm uh, when I apply for those jobs that they that they are a good company and aren't just you know. Why do you want to work for someone before and not just go out on your own? Um, personally, I, I have my own. Uh, everyone has their own philosophy, right? Like uh, I sort of very much believe in the apprenticeship, which uh, which uh, from you you sound you seem like you've got that that wildness that you can go out <laughs> and make it happen, which is cool. Like I love people like that. One of my best friends, her name is Sheer. Like you could drop her in the middle of a desert island and she would figure it out. You know, like like uh, me for example, I, I I box. Like uh, mm. I like to train for months before I go into a fight. You know, like I like to to have stuff dialed down. And I very much think that I pick stuff up from environments, you know, like I call it mm. like a intellectual osmosis, where just by being in, in the environment, like the, uh, the concepts come to you. So but, and personally, I would also actually love to move to Australia or to Canada. And I hmm. see these as my as my as instructional design and working for an instructional or e-learning company sort of as, a, as my ticket. OK, so I'll just put it out there you're already doing your apprenticeship 
You don't need to go to an organization. The minute you are on YouTube, the minute you are reading something, the, you're doing your certification, your apprenticeship, you're in it right now. You're learning. The, if you want to learn anything from a job, it is on our YouTube channel because I've shared it all there. So you, everything, when I talk about quoting, when I talk about project management, it's all there. I did my 11 months in an organization because uh -huh. that at the time wasn't there for me. And then I've now shared it on YouTube. So if you want to fast track to your end goal, I would encourage you to appreciate that your apprenticeship has already begun. However, it never stops. I am still an apprentice. I am here today practicing my skills with you, trying to react, adapt in the moment, add value to you. Um, I'm Every day I've listened to about five books in the last week because I'm just learning, curious, curious, curious. I, in our industry, we can never not be an apprentice. And that is what's so great about it. So yeah, it's just where you're getting your apprenticeship from and at different times and how much of it and how little and how long and how short. Okay, fair enough. And so uh, that's an interesting response. Like you, you definitely, you, like your philosophy is all encompassing. I enjoy that. Um, <laughs> so, so in terms of gamification, so I would quite like to make a, mm. in the future an e-learning an e-learning app mm -hmm. that gets that teachers can use to aid their kids and also kids yeah. can use you know by themselves sitting you know in their room or at the bus stop or whatever yeah i, I know gamification and instructional design aren't intrinsically linked but there are a few connections yeah yeah has, has there been like a, a few gamification uh principles that you've been able to take and move forward with your instructional design practice um, the main thing that I would definitely encourage people to pay attention to is, um, it's the motivation that is the key to success. So when a learner starts with something, why, like, you know, when it's like, think us, or us, sorry, gamers, why they play games. Do they want to be the number one? Do they want the top score? Do they love the exploration where they have to just mm. go find things or are they doing the mission? So you need to understand the why. Why are they there? Why are they spending hours playing? That is really, really important because that self-intrinsic drive is very transferable to learning solutions. Um, the other thing I think, what have you got? Choice, autonomy. Um, drive i think that's daniel pink's theory on motivation actually um so that's in the daniel gaming pink, the, world the, the, the sales expert yeah 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 i, I watched his master class cool, yes cool. well his theory like that comes from gamification right or a game whatever it is like it's motivation games use it really well so there's that is the number one thing because that is the most important thing to get learners to care then it's the storytelling how do you, are you the hero? Are the, I, what's the journey you're going on? You're going from A to B, the mission, whatever it is. So how do you tell the narrative of that learning? So paying attention to levels and chapters and getting to the boss or whatever it is. I'm thinking very, I'm like role player right now, but if we think about solitaire, solitaire, you got to think about why people are playing. So solitaire is that card game where it's normally mm -hmm. free. But you're kind of mindless there. You're just passing time. Unless you're paying for money, you're not really like 
not everyone, the majority of people are not playing it for a high score, for example. So just paying attention to those sorts of things. Um, I think the thing that you probably, I don't know enough about it. That's the exploration of mine, because when we think about techniques and not all solutions allow for you to have full gamified approaches or game mechanics where there's scoreboards and there's points, um, there's resistance, right? So you really got to know who you're designing for because I've seen solutions in the past where half the workforce embraces uh, an illustration style and the other half is like anti it. And they're like, why didn't you use photos? So even there's that resistance. So you need to mm. do lots of prototyping and testing to see, do the things from the game world that you want to experiment with work and help you with the learning outcome that you're trying to achieve. You're trying to connect teachers with students and get them somewhere different, whatever that might look like. So make sure that it is getting them there and it's not a distraction. Like it's not eating up time when they just want to get to the end. Got you. Okay, so we only have a few minutes left, so I'm gonna try and make the, right. the big go quick uh, the fire, question. quick fire. So it's actually it's actually a fairly big question, actually. That okay. I hope you've got time for it. Um, when you've been designing courses, everyone has like their magnum opus, the one that they were like, I nailed it. This was all me. Like, is there <laughs> a particular course that like you're more proud of than? I, I think you're probably proud of all your work. But of course, like you really feel like you got everything from you into that course. And was there like a challenge on that way that you had to find some improvised way to overcome? Because of my mindset of curiosity, I'm going to say no to the challenge. But the challenge for me was how do we how do we get people to care about this learning? It was a topic. It was mental health. Um, it was Ooh. trending at the time. So people were fatigued by it. And I was like, I actually care about mental health and the team did as well. We wanted to do a good job. So we said, well, how do we get people to care when they're fatigued and they probably know that their organization is bullshitting them and doesn't really care about their mental health? Now, I'm not saying this organization did, no, but no, that's I, the I'm trend out there. When, whenever I see like some company that's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, nonsense, man. Like you are just doing this to fulfill your obligation. You know mm. what I mean? So like, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, And we didn't want that to happen. The, the customer didn't want that either, but like the perception with that, that's one small part of the business. So it's not, you don't have full control over people's perception, but that one was, we basically took the time to brainstorm and we talked about motivation and that engagement. How do we get people to care in seven seconds or less? So they were the two things that we really went hard on and we brainstormed on it. And then we it ended up coming that we were going to entertain through education, no, sorry, educate through entertainment, which is what you talk about. So we were like, well, where do we as humans get entertainment from? So we looked at Netflix and we thought there's a TV show, you probably have them in the UK and all over the world is those morning shows where you've got the two <laughs> presenters yeah. and the call in with the Hollywood sign at the back. And we like people mindlessly watch that and they dial in, they buy their bloody knife set and all that. That's something. They watch the 60 minute show where there's crime drama. So that was what we went with. And we basically came up with the module could be completed. We didn't have a time parameter on it, um, but the module was very short. It basically opened with challenging interactions. So we didn't even call it mental health, but we just acknowledged that 
there's challenging interactions in your workplace. Here's four of them. There was a call center one, which was audio, a little scenario playing out. The person got abused. The next one was a morning thing talking about like stats and like reached out to the Hollywood presenter and said, what's happening over there? Tell us more. And then we had a 60 minute one where we was someone got abused like and it's on the cctv footage so we had a film crew we had actors there was a, wow, a fourth one we made it like a youtube video where it was a vlogger and she was talking about her mental health journey and her tips so it opened like that and then it basically was just like look this shit happens we're now creating the space for you to put a plan in place so it doesn't so you're better equipped for the next time so we created a self-care plan we actually give that for free i don't know it's somewhere somewhere on our resources um but it was basically allowing them the space to just take the time to go these are my triggers this is what stresses me out these are the things that i know help me be better when they do trigger me and this is me putting them into action so i can start being proactive about my mental health and then the end was here's where the support is available so i think that from a the project, the belief in the client, the things that we created, the solution actually being useful and valued by people, that holistically was probably one of the ones that I'm quite proud of. That's a really beautiful thing to hear because um, the the audio book that I wrote uh, called mm. The Green Shoes I mentioned earlier, it's actually based on a true story of a close friend of mine. Who yeah. Had someone very close to them, uh, unfortunately, take their own life. And that's what got me interested in mental health. And I did this level two in the UK. It's called like level two, just an entry level okay. course to mental health, uh, mental health awareness. And once again, it was nonsense. It was literally just an ebook. They just made you read the ebook. And I was like, this is such an in-depth topic. There are so many directions you could go with it. It's almost insulting the, the subject uh... to be like, here's an ebook, read it. And if you can just regurgitate knowledge, you know it, you know what I mean? Mm. Whereas the thing you designed really shows real life applications and you know uh, how that's going to help people. So uh, as interesting as this is, I have noticed it go dark behind you, which I appreciate. Are you in a van? I am. The, are you like going full digital nomad? You're just like surfing and... Yep, exactly. You are living the dream. Like I, I didn't have... realize it was a van until like halfway through. Oh, really? Could it possibly and like I noticed on your address, like maybe I might be confusing this. Is the Belvis Studios is it based officially in Adelaide? No, in Brisbane, Australia. Okay, because yeah. everyone tells me, like as an Aussie, maybe you can tell me. Everyone tells me Adelaide is the spot for surfing. Is that Ooh. a lie or not a lie? I have not been there, but I will put it on my list. But I'm a whitewash okay. surfer, so <laughs> okay. I, like, uh, if they're big waves, I, I, was I told will that, be there. I was told that Adelaide is the most bogan Aussies. Is that also true or not true? In terms of, I city? don't know. I love everybody. I love everybody. Oh, sorry, I just lost. Uh, thing. Uh, cool. So thank you so much, Kim. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> my dad now, now now needs the room. Uh, but thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and hopefully uh, I'll be watching more videos and I'll have more questions in the future. All right. Before you go, you got to tell what was the value you got from this time? You got to uh, summarize it was, for people. It was definitely like seeing how much passion you have for the subject and how you're able to transfer that. You know, like a lot of times I think people overcomplicate. They think they need this and that and this and, and every other thing. There's a phrase, um, all the gear, no idea 
whereas mm. you seem to be the the opposite you're like minimalist like i'm gonna work this with just willpower and motivation and what what i think there might be some counter arguments to it it's amazing to see how far you've come with that and knowing that just you know with with if, if you can do it then therefore me with my google searching abilities therefore i can just totally go in and try and gather all the knowledge mm, cool all right Thank you everybody for watching. Go check out the Creator Hub. You'll get resources. Go deep into our YouTube. Learn everything if you want the life and the way that I'm doing business. I'm giving it out there and telling you. And you can get it for yourself. Peace you out. You can get it for yourself, people. Remember, choose it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us, basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, Could I Be a Better Instructional Designer? That has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, Aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude. And also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design and e-learning. So a human centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.